Welcome to the Crater Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss all the JavaScript news that's happened on Crater.io this week. This episode is for Friday, July 1st, 2016. This episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They're an easy way to deploy your application, no matter the language or framework that you're using. They are great for deploying JavaScript applications using technologies such as Node.js, Meteor.js, Feathers.js, and many other frameworks. They recently updated their build process for Meteor to include uploading the code to a build server. They use a Docker component to create the build and output a consistent application that gets sent to the servos making it more reliable and easier for you to deploy your Meteor application. Check them out, modulus.io. DigitalOcean is the best place to get your Meteor application off the ground quickly and the easiest to scale when you find success. I host crater.io there, so I understand DigitalOcean. Start with a pre-configured one-click launch, such as Node.js, to get it up and running in 55 seconds or build the exact infrastructure you need with root access to servers running 100% SSD and state-of-the-art data centers around the world. DigitalOcean is the fastest-growing cloud infrastructure provider because it's built for developers and laser-focused on its mission to create simple and elegant solutions for developers and teams. Use the promo code CRATER10 on the billing page when you sign up for $10 to get started. Welcome, Crater fans. I'm your host, Josh Owens, along with my co-host. Abby Iyer. Hey, Abby. How's it going? It's pretty good, man. I'm actually outside of a Starbucks right now. You know, I had some you know, family drama that I'm taking care of the house back in uh, my hometown. So I'm not in LA today, but it's super hot here and there's no good internet around here. I'm like in the <laughs> desert. Where are you at? So I'm in the Inland Empire in Pomona, California. No one will know where this is. It's like a small town. I'm right in front of the Starbucks, in front of a yoga studio. So there's a bunch of girls walking out, which is cool. That's it. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, we missed last week because I was out of town and I had a similar problem. I was in Nashville and like I could not find stable internet to save my life. Like I even went over to a Starbucks for a little while and it was still kind of crappy internet. So yeah. Can't do deployments from Starbucks, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, we got half deployed. Yay. (laughs) Probably the coolest deployment system. I'm sure there's a lot of cool ones out out there, but the the coolest one I've I've heard of was uh, Twitter. They had one called Murder. It was a play. So a group of crows is called a murder of crows. And so it was a play on that because they're birds and Twitter. Yeah. Anyway, but they use BitTorrent. And so like they would just put a release out and it would be out there as BitTorrent and like seed onto a server. And then like all the other servers would pick it up and install it and run it. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Super cool. So then you'd only have to see the torrent long enough for one server to get it. And then you're good to go. Yeah. That would work <laughs> from Starbucks, eh? I think so. Yeah. All right. I think so. Murdering it. <laughs> So today we're going to talk about Meteor 1.4 and beyond. Of course, that's becoming a theme. Like I notice anytime Matt gives a talk, he just throws and beyond. And beyond, yeah. Uh, Apollo query batching, 
who's hiring, someone to ask Crater, who's hiring, and automatically starting development apps. All right. Yes. So I actually just finished watching this, and I thought it was an interesting talk from Matt DeBrigalis at MDG. He gave it for whatever they call their monthly night thing now. Just yeah, Meteor Night or something? Yeah, Meteor Night, whatever. It was an interesting talk to me. They've been dancing around this idea of like working on Apollo for a while, which is yeah. interesting. And you know the the thing that they've not outright come out and said is that they're basically abandoning the idea of mini Mongo and like client side caching and that kind of stuff and yeah. and opening it up to more databases. Instead, they want to pursue GraphQL and Apollo. And I think you basically said that in the long term, they see it being a complete replacement for DDP. So like, yeah, I'm glad he said it. And I think I knew it was coming. But at the same time, like, I don't think it's going to be a super pleasant experience for everyone involved. You know? Yeah. Once again, they make these announcements. And they say that they're, they're worrying about professional developers. You know, they keep saying professional developers. Mm hmm. I think you have to have been in, in developing a product like this for a couple of years for you to even have an opinion on what a professional developer is. I, I watched this and I was not I was not happy with it because when I watched 1.3 and beyond, it was going to be so easy and all that. We already talked about this before, but <laughs> for people like, who have media apps, it's going to be hard. Yeah, transitioning is tough. Like to me, like I've spent the last three years understanding DDP and how it works and how to scale it up for performance and what are the security implications of it. Like it's a little bit frustrating to think that 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 knowledge is going to be all for naught at some point, and you should really be looking at GraphQL. And like I'm also glad that they've come out and said this statement because. I am now not going to push anyone towards like using DDP at this point. Like I'll, I'll be looking at other solutions for client applications in the long term. It's interesting for you because you guys are somewhat kind of entrenched with DDP now, aren't you? Yeah, and we're like slowly digging ourselves out of the hole, you know? See, DDP didn't work out for us. It's not the success story that everyone else has with like how easy DDP was because our app was not the right pick for Meteor in the first place. You know, I can say that now because we've scaled out of our beginning phase and now we're in this intermediate, where, where are we going next phase? You mm -hmm. know, in the beginning, DDP was great because we had 50 users. You know, like, it was great. Yeah. We had no load. We had no, nothing, you know. The Meteor team always promises us these fancy new things and it's going to be zero cost or zero effort. But I realized that it's not even true. Because they don't even know our app. They don't know what kind of scale we are. They don't understand the business that we're trying to solve. So how do they know that it's going to be easy or not? I don't trust that anymore. Well, so. I mean, I think the thing with Apollo is that it'll be better, right? Because now I'm not tied to Mongo. I'm not tied to how things should specifically work. There's trade-offs, right? And like... Yeah. It came up at the end of the talk. Someone said, like, they were talking about breaking apart. In Meteor 1.4, like, you're no longer going to have pinned core packages. Like, there could be an update that comes out to Blaze, if anyone's still using it. And, like, you could upgrade that version without having to have a full Meteor release. 
And there was a question at the end and someone said, like, aren't there trade-offs between having a guaranteed release like version that packages everything together and it's been tested and everyone knows that it works versus like these piecemeal kind of updates that you can pull in little by little. It's kind of interesting. And I think that that's what we're approaching here as well. Like there's going to be a trade-off when you go to Apollo, like you're not going to get a lot of the automatic integration that you got with you know, Meteor and Live Query and Mini Mongo and that kind of thing. Like the biggest thing for me is the the account system. What does the account system look like and how do I handle yeah. that? Like, you know, and after doing this for three years, like I think we've had this conversation a few times. Like I just I'm not sure like instant reactivity, like real time reactivity matters all that much anymore. Yeah. And, they keep preaching like community standards. And they said the excuse for the, the way the Meteor was built originally is because there was no standard. That's not true. Because there are a bunch of big companies writing JavaScript before Meteor existed that used standards, right? Maybe ES6 modules was not a standard back then, but AMD was totally a standard and CommonJS was a standard. You yeah. know? Like, I can go on this rant for a long time, but <laughs> the thing is, like, I really feel 1.4 and beyond means, oh, you're just coming to media right now? Okay, 1.4 and beyond is good for you, right? But what about people who still have 1.2 apps? What about people who aren't being updated to 1.2 or yeah. even 1.2? Like, you literally are going to crash other people's businesses because they don't have the dev resources to upgrade, right? They don't have these resources to change their infrastructure. So potentially, you just like ruin someone's business. As you keep doing these things, I don't know. It's not, it's not on them to do those things, but they don't have a clear upgrade path. Where's my upgrade path in 1.4? Like, they haven't thought about it yet. Yeah. There's, there's actually no upgrade path from 1.2 to 1.3. There's a freaking guide article. <sighs> but what does that help? What does that help if I did all this package-based stuff? Where's my, where's my guide? How do I get out of this? What if I have a 1,000 globals in my, in my app? I think what this indicates is that you should really like not just rely on one technology stack. You should really yeah. just continue to experiment and learn and play with things. And hi, Mr. Train. This weekend, I've got a client project and I could choose to go with Meteor or like I just said, screw it. I'm going to use Apollo. I'm going to use Express and I'm going to use Passport and I'm going to not use and we'll use React, obviously. And I'm not going to bother to even try Meteor for this thing and see how it goes so I can learn because I need to know for the future, like if, if GraphQL makes sense, like I, I may even play around with Relay, you know? So who knows? Yeah. It's better to have a knowledge of what's out there. Don't be focused in one area. Like I, I'm pretty sure this is going to be the basis of my talk for, for meteor camp, New York. I think it's a good, good topic. Yeah. It's a good topic. Yeah. Because it, like I've been through this a couple of times. There was no particular reason I left rails, but it just didn't feel like the right solution anymore. And so like I was looking for, for better things and meteor looked interesting. And I think that, you know, I still stand behind if you could build an app in half the time, like that was worth something, especially yeah. rails felt like I could build things faster than other platforms. So, but I feel like that's disappearing. So 
was this problem in the Rails community when Rails 4, I think, came out? Like people, for, Rails 4 was a big change, right? Yeah. yeah. To Rails 3. Yeah. But I remember in Rails 4 that the, the, the community members behind it and the, the team behind it, they were getting people ready for it. I remember when people were getting ready. They were like, hey, Rails 4 is going to be a lot different. It's going to be good, but we're going to help you get there. Yeah. I mean, well, if you look at it, like this entire time that I've been in the media community, they, they just released Rails 5 like this week. So, yeah. I mean, there's like a long cycle to get a new version out and they play with ideas and the hard change was going from Rails 2 to Rails 3. Like there were major shifts there. And like that was... Yeah. That was a super pain point for a lot of people. As a matter of fact, like, I don't know where GitHub is now, but I remember like for the longest time, like Rails 4 was coming out and GitHub was still on like Rails 2.2, 2.3 because like they just had customized a lot of things and, and just couldn't make the move at that point. So yeah, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Rant over. <laughs> <laughs> Legacy sucks. <laughs> yeah. If it's older than a month, it's legacy. <laughs> right, in JavaScript community especially. Yeah. Okay, well, that's 1.4 and beyond. Yeah, so, yeah. Let's, let's talk about Apollo. <laughs> Since that's right, let's, talk, let's, talk, let's talk about beyond, the beyond part. Okay, so for people who listen to this show, a couple shows ago I said Apollo is not ready for prime time or anything. I think after next week, I will say you should start using Apollo in production because we are about to finish the three critical features that would, that would make us on par with Relay. Those features being batch querying, which is what we're going to talk about right now, uh, pagination, like out of the box, so you can paginate data. Lastly, how do we handle mutations? How do we handle the results of mutation, right? Let me go into these things real quick. So batch querying is the topic of the article today. So imagine this. So like today... Uh, if you subscribe in Meteor, if you subscribe to different pieces of data with two different subscriptions, right? And uh, you one can get into a merge box problem if you're like requiring different fields or whatever. But there's no easy way to bundle those requests to to Mongo by taking the queries and putting them together and say, hey, I want this batch of data. There's nothing like that today. Well, you have to Sorry. do it yourself, right? You have to do it yourself, exactly. And yeah, at WorkPop, we built some you know, batch, batch processes, batch queries. But so batch querying comes in really, really nicely because all you get to do is you, you set an option in your query and the Apollo client itself will, will understand what queries are coming in. It'll batch them in one request and we'll just send them to the GraphQL server out of the box. So it's up to you. And, you can always, and it's opt-in or opt-out. So like it's actually opt-in. So... You get to decide if you want to do this, which is the best thing. You know, so you have more control and all that. The, the interesting thing about this feature, it was built by the Apollo intern. So this guy's an intern. He's he's very young. His name's uh, Divit, I think. He goes by Point Care on on GitHub, and he's been killing it for the, the the project. Like he's been doing a lot of great work, and this is you know, you know, one of the one of the things that. He, he shipped for his internship and it's great code, great quality. Everyone reviewed it. So batch querying is great. Uh, I want to talk about the other features too, pagination. So in Meteor, pagination is a little tricky. I, I know Sasha has an article about that because there are different types of pagination you can have, right? You can have like, you know, numbered pages, you can have infinite scroll, 
But like, you know, as you're paginating, what if like data changes? So like you might have, you know, an item that was on page two, now it could be on page three as, as well. You know, these little edge cases with pagination. So what we are gonna do in, uh, in Apollo is having a, a way to fetch more data when you need to, instead of like going by this like pagination rule, we're gonna let the UI decide what a page means in terms of like visually, but pagination in Apollo is just gonna be fetching more data and you're gonna either append it to a list or prepend it. So you get to decide if you wanna put the, the, the new data that you're fetching in the, in the front of the, in the list or the end. So you can either go backwards or forward. And uh, that'll also work for infinite scroll, fetching more and then going up and fetching more. So that's an exciting feature in itself for the Apollo project. Relay also does a pagination via, you know, these things called cursors. You know, you need to know the point that you are at and the edges around the data that you need to go to. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. And the last great feature that I think will, is already in, it's already emerged, is mutation results. So before, when you made a mutation, you had to specify the, the way it returned in, you know, the way the data returned to the UI. In Apollo, you can actually specify custom reducer or translation layer. So if I make a mutation, I can say, okay, well, the results are coming back, but I actually want to process them differently for the client, uh, which is really cool. So now you can actually do very custom results. So if I mutate a to-do list, I can actually, when it returns, I can actually put that to-do at the top of the list or the bottom of the list or in the middle, or I can actually you know, only add that to do and delete all the other ones. Like I can do custom things with my data once I mutate something. So that is another very flexible tool that people will be able to use. So I think by next week, we'll have the React Native stuff will be fixed because I'm fixing that today. But we'll have all the tools that you can do to get started. And I think that I will start recommending it after after the next release. Like... For sure, start using it. I actually should start using it right now. If you're listening to this, start using it right now. Because yeah. um, I, I, I'm comfortable now because we have uh, feature parity with Relay, and which is great because now it's only more stuff that we're going to build that's better. And I'll be talking about Apollo at Meteor NYC, uh, just about the React and Apollo integration. So I'll go into a lot of these, these details and stuff like that if you're interested, but I would start using it today. And that's why I think Josh is going to be using it for his uh, client project. Yeah, because I'll be recommended it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I think it's it's really interesting. Like query batching, I actually got into a a discussion with Tom Coleman about this because Meteor recommended publish composite which is actually really, really terrible for this, this particular problem right here because like if you fetch a record and let's say you have 10 child records uh, that you need to loop over, you can end up making one query and then 10 more child queries for that. Whereas like it's always more efficient to just make two queries, one for the initial data and then another query to fetch the other 10 child documents because like that, round trip overhead costs you something. And when, you, when you're doing it like 10 times, 100 times, something like that, like it does add up. Um, yeah. It like, oh, it's only, you know, uh, let's say 50 milliseconds per, per query, but at like 50 queries, that's going to start making a difference. So mm-hmm. Another great thing about, you know, using Express and GraphQL and the other technologies is you don't have the burden of live query. I know at 
the immediate developers that I know are very cautious of database operations, right? The fact that you have to be cautious about database operations, it sucks because database is like your heart of the application mm-hmm. and you're worried about making queries because your CPU is going to go up and your servo is going to go down. Why are you even worried about that? If you're yeah. worried about that, then you I, have to go to another technology. <laughs> the difference, like the, the part that's going to become interesting is that like, it's no longer like, I can't just call someone up and say like, how am I going to scale this? Like, I can't just like, I have to, instead of like finding a meteor expert or something like that, I have to go find like a database expert, which maybe is easier. I don't know, but you know, there's definitely not going to be like the community. I think is going to be more disparate and less knowledgeable. I don't know. Like, I don't know the right way to say it, but I think so. Ideally what we're planning on doing is putting more work in the GraphQL server. So the client, so these batch queries, the first part, but we're, we're imagining a world where the GraphQL server, does a lot more for you. That would and be it, awesome. It, you leverage that guy and your server instead of the client and this, this constant lag of connection. Now the worry, the worry about leveraging the GraphQL server and putting more work into it. And it's, it's a worry with anything is latency. So if we figure out the latency problem and you can start doing complex joins and your GraphQL server can handle that complexity and with the lowest latency, then you have nothing to worry about. Yeah. And that's probably our next, that's like the next, you know, chapter of it. So, yeah. but I would take a, take an app in Meteor with Apollo and take a Express app with Apollo. And I get, bet you that the Express app with Apollo will perform and scale better just because there isn't that scariness of live query or, you know, CPU bound operations. So anyway, that's, that's the stuff. That's the update. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I like this post. Someone uh, posted on Crater yesterday and said like, who's hiring? I think it's a great question. Like I haven't, I haven't yeah. seen that question pop up yet. So you know, I uh, I pinged the uh, Space Dojo Slack channel, and a couple people popped in and, and put their their info in, and I just put a tweet out as well. The client that I'm doing work for right now, I know they're hiring. They're in Canada. Uh, they're in Winnipeg. They're probably looking for on-site people, but I know like OK Grow and Differential are always hiring, and I know Differential is open to remote people. I think OK Grow might be as well. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. And uh, it looks like there are some people hiring in Paris, Germany, San Francisco. So, like, this is a good thread, number one, to go read. And then I think the other thing, like, this got us started talking. And, like, I think maybe this is a central theme today, which is what can you do to make yourself more hireable? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, totally. After you told me about this, I started thinking pretty deeply about it. When I went to Customer Day this year, or this last customer day, mm-hmm. all the media shops, differential was there and some, some small companies and they kept asking the media team, how do we hire media developers? And my boss and I were sitting there and we were like, Oh yeah, you don't hire media developers. Mm-hmm. You don't hire those. You, you either hire people who can build stuff and teach them media Mm-hmm. Or you hire people who have you know the willingness to learn and all those things. There, there are so many other qualities that make you hireable than the technology you know. And so, from my opinion, is if I'm hiring for a meteor developer, then I'm already I already lost because I'm hiring for someone who's like so thin in scope, you know. Mm-hmm. And if I want someone on my team personally, I want someone who's maybe well-rounded or he's like an industry expert at something that 
it was kind of like, you know, essential to my stack, right? Like we have a data scientist who just knows everything about databases. Like he's a nerd about that. He's like a database nerd, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We hired a CSS nerd. You know, this guy's a nerd. He's a freaking nerd about CSS. And like so much so that our pull requests oft- often get heated because he's saying like, you got to do this because of the CSS. And I'm just like, oh man, that doesn't even matter. But you're a nerd. So let me, let me appease you. Mm-hmm. But I, I like that stuff because it, you bring so much more to your team Mm-hmm. If you have those type of strengths and opinions and all that stuff. So I think you should be well-rounded. I don't think you should, I don't think people should be hiring media developers. I think they should be hiring good developers, you know? Yeah. So, I, I've often found that to be the case. So like my client in Canada actually did the same thing recently. They went out and hired two people and they were just JavaScript people and they had done some react work and had never used meteor. And part of my job is to like sit down with them, do a little pair programming. And like the very first thing I did was just kind of walk them through the code base and just explaining like, Oh, this is live query. This is DDP. Here's how you can look at like information going back and forth. It's, it's similar to what I do in my training class, but like, it's just basically data dumping to them, but in the context of like their application and trying to level them up as fast as they can to start contributing business value to the the projects that they're working on. To me, like if I were like getting started with Meteor, I would actually start looking at React or I don't know, GraphQL or React Native or anything and, and start playing with that stuff as well because it's gonna, like even just building a sample app will go a long way for you, my opinion. Yeah. Also, if you're, if you're building a company that is very server intensive, I would not hire a meteor developer to do that. I would hire someone who's built a lot of backends um, and scaled a bunch of different services and stuff because they can always bring that knowledge to meteor instead of them knowing meteor and having to figure that other stuff out, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, which we have a, we, we hired a software architect from, uh, from eBay and he was, you know, he's just a really smart guy. And like when he came into Meteor, he was just super skeptical because like he scaled, he's, he has scaled so many big company uh, apps mm-hmm. and he came in and he was just very skeptical and very like, just not impressed with the tools for someone like him, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many tools for product developers, but there's not a lot of tools for people who are just hardcore, like backend, hardcore, like database, hardcore tooling and scaling and all that. So he, it took an adjustment for him to learn the JavaScript way of things. And after, and even now he's still skeptical, but he knows how to operate in the system that is Meteor, you know? So I don't know. That's another recommendation is hire someone who's, who's good for the, their niche job and they can always teach them anything. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Like smart people are going to pick things up. Yeah, totally. Just the truth. Like I, you know, I started in PHP, moved to Ruby I remember starting in SVN, starting in actually in CVS, moved to SVN, moved to Git. Like these are things that, that make sense, you know, like as technology evolves, people are going to learn it and change. Like, and right now I thoroughly enjoy react and three years, maybe that's not going to be the case, right? Like it's going to be like, Oh, that's terrible. What a stupid idea react was, but who knows? Yeah. Maybe it'll be like Vue.js or something. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeedy. All right. So the last story, I sprung this one on you. I don't know if you happen to watch the video. So I I did not watch the video yet, but I did hear the announcement this morning for it. 
do you mind just like telling me about it and then yeah no not at all yeah i'll watch it after this though yeah i've been doing uh cook kata videos and i try to keep them at like 15 minutes max and uh i enjoy it too because like now that i have this imac i can do 4k videos so like if you can do like top-notch video like you should go watch this thing but anyway so the one thing I missed from Railsland is they had, gosh, now I can't think of the name of it, but there was this automatic app starter. And oddly enough, it was built with Node under the hood. Like it would start a rack app for you, which is like um, Rails conformed to rack for a long time. A- anyway, mm-hmm. like you'd just be able to say like, I've got a Rails app and you start it and you manage like, what port it's running on and all those dependencies and that kind of thing. And all I have to do is type in a domain name and come up and run my local version for me. And then like it would have a timeout. And so after like 10 minutes would go away, like since I moved to Meteor, like I found one, but it it didn't quite work the way I wanted to. And there were some problems with Meteor and uh, like database ports and that kind of thing. So the guy that wrote that, actually rewrote as hotel. And so now you just NPM install hotel. You basically get this same kind of functionality, but it's not specific to actually any kind of development environment, right? Like it's, it's not tied to rails and rack. It's not tied to meteor and node or any of that stuff. Like you install it using node, but you just give it a command line. It'll start the application for you. As long as the app that you're trying to start takes a port and yeah. it will start the app for you. And you can uh, take a proxy config and pop that into your machine. And then you can start typing in like, you know, I've got craterconf.dev and boom, yeah. it pulls up the Jekyll site for me without any awesome. effort. Yeah. So it's, it's really, really cool. Like, and I think, yeah, I think it's, it's worth taking the time to like, get your tools set up the way you want. Like it feels like it might be a waste or like a big yak shave to work on your development setup. But like, it saves me time in the end. Like today when I get off here, I got to go fix the, um, the, I got to make some changes to creator comp website. And all I have to do is open my editor, make a couple changes, check the web page. I don't even have to start anything. Once it's good, ship it up to GitHub and we're done. You know? Yeah. This reminds me of a, service called now have you heard of this service called mm-hmm. now yeah it kind of reminds me of that where well not in the same vein but the ease of use and just shipping quickly shipping versions super quick and having that instant feedback you know and yep. you have to have these tools like without these tools you're going to spend hours doing stuff that you probably shouldn't be doing go spend time with the kids man like why are you wasting time on this you know <laughs> I remember my first development job to, to update. I mean, a lot of people still do this, but to update our, our live site, we SSH into a, we SSH into our server, get pulled, did all this jazz in there, you know, run these configs and then get push. And then like, you know, like that just seems so weird now. Right. Like the times have changed in, in, in deploying and stuff, you know, but like going SSH into your server, get pulling the source code, doing all this jazz. Like there's so many tools out there that just do it for you. Right. And now it's specifically and all that stuff. So yeah. yeah. You know what? Let's talk about, for, let's talk about code codes for a second because you, this is like your third one, I think, or second. Fourth. Fourth. I did one on Kadira. I didn't really announce it very well, but yeah, I only knew about the, the two. Um, 
I think these code codes are super helpful. Like, it's kind of reminds me of Egghead. Egghead videos are like 10 minutes, 15 minutes long, and you get a lot of information that you can just go digest real quick and then, you know, try it out or do something later. Maybe we should do some creator podcast sponsored code codes. Like, maybe one, one day we have some, like, we review some article and then we, you know, also release a kata with the podcast. That'd be cool. Oh, that's interesting. Mm, yeah. 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 Talk about it yeah I definitely want to like, so in the future and like, if you have ideas, let me know, but that includes like any of the listeners out there too, like tweet at me, but I want to do a series of building one application, like very, very tiny, 10 minutes, like get a framework installed, build an application and then move on to the next framework and just try it and see what that getting started experience is like and keep it to like 15 minutes or so and yeah. see how far it, we can get. Yeah. It also adds to the learn other stuff mantra, you know, like learn other stuff, do other things. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. I think that's a good idea. This is just besides the whole show or anything. But another thing I wanted to say was like, like the creator podcast, you and I, like, we're going to be doing some Apollo work together too. So mm-hmm. people should listen to the show more because you're going to get insider info on Apollo if you're interested. And there also might get some educational tools out of the, the show itself that we might give to everybody. So stay yeah. tuned on that, you know, yes. get excited about it. Yes, indeedy. Yeah. I think if you listen to the Kata, it's really good teaching style. And oh, if you're thanks. struggling, if you're learning, if you're struggling learning GraphQL right now, if you like the style, it might helping help other people. You know, we can we can incorporate the style and help you. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks for being on today, Abby. And as always, thank you to Modulus and DigitalOcean for sponsoring. And yep. uh, you can go to Patreon and check out the uh, Patreon page, p a t r e o n dot com slash Media Club. I really should figure out how to fix that. Say that every- yeah. We have to do a we have to do a plug about Patreon because I don't know if people understand what the value of Patreon is for the show. Oh yeah, Patreon keeps the lights up. It does, it does. So I handle the YouTube version of this show. If you watch that, I upload that thing, edit it, and upload it. But I actually do hand this off to an audio editor to give it a slightly better quality. And he handles that. And then I have a VA that then uploads it all to Simplecast so that it gets to your device. And like that stuff costs money. And just running the Space Dojo Slack channel kind of takes my time and curating all that. So that money comes in and just helps me kind of run all the behind the scenes stuff. Because, you know, Simplecast, I think it only costs me like, I think I'm paying them like 20 bucks a month. I'm thinking about adding a third podcast. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But all this stuff just, it costs some money and that, that helps out with those costs. So really yeah. super appreciate it. And I do try to deliver some value. Like if you go to the $10 level, you get into the, the Slack channel. So Yeah. And like with more, with more patrons, there are more exciting things we can do with the show. You know, we can scale mm-hmm. the show a little bit more than we want because the show started off as a media show. Right. And yeah. we have bigger ambitions now and to get yeah. there. Yeah. I think, to me, like if, if I had enough people on board, I could actually afford, like I've got a quote from my designer to make a pretty version of Crater uh, with React and uh, like customize it to look more, a little more like Crater, but actually like a fresh design. And like that's, that's going to cost like 900 bucks. So like we got to, 
got to get the the funds there somehow for that. So I've been trying to. Yeah. So don't don't drink your coffee today and donate the five bucks to to the Crater Podcast, and we can keep the show going. You know. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Cool. Sorry right. for the plug, but I wanted to say that. That's that's all right. Thanks, man. <laughs> no worries. All right. Thanks, Avi. All right. See you guys later. Next week. Bye. Bye. This has been a Space Dojo production. You can find out more information about Space Dojo at spacedojo.com. It's easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. That's S-P-A-C-E-D-O-J-O dot com.